Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, the podcast has been out for less than a week and it already has DLC. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Pete Farr. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to be talking about the news from the week, including Reggie making some more news and interviews for publicity for his book, and a Xenoblade Direct incoming. And then on Thursday, Mark and I are coming up with Missing Mario Sports Games. But in the meantime, my good friend Pete Farr from the Rum and Wings podcast. How you doing? I'm very well. How are you? Uh, it's, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I, I was traveling this weekend. Um, okay. I was, I was in Wisconsin, um, where I went to, uh, school and where, uh, where we both grew up and where you currently live. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for saying hi. <laughs> hey, well, look, cause I got this from my mother too. <laughs> you could, you could have helped me move this weekend. No, thank you. <laughs> I know I, I was I was in town I was in Appleton Wisconsin for my uh 15 year college reunion which I think means I'm officially old mm-hmm. um uh and it was great I had uh I had just just the best time excellent um uh Pete thank you so much for uh, uh hanging on, on on this episode we're going to have um a fun time but before we get into that my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch. Would you like to borrow it? Pete, I'm not asking you. I'm asking the listener. <laughs> um, if you would like to get on the list to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, all you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at gmail.com and give oh, us I a missed it. Ma- <laughs> and give us a mailing address. I don't go back. We don't go back for those <laughs> things. You either hit it or you don't. <laughs> give us a mailing address where we can send you my copy of Sonic Forces. And this is my real copy of Sonic Forces. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. It doesn't cost you anything. Is it guaranteed for- to be your copy of Sonic Forces, though? Uh, no, it may, in fact, be my copy of Untitled Goose Game, which mm. is part of the same borrowing uh, program. So it doesn't make the program flawed in any way, shape, or form. But just know that either way, uh, you have the game for as long as you want. You play it for as long as you want. You send it back. And it's a perfect experience. Uh, Pete, have you played either of those games? I played uh, Untitled Goose Game on a plane. And it didn't. I, I thought it would grab me. And it didn't hmm. click for some reason. And I, uh, I never went back to it. Um, I've not played Untitled Goose Game. Uh, since, since I bought it, it's only been going out for... <laughs> For people to play it. Uh, here's another thing you can do if you don't want to borrow e- either of those games from me is you can leave us a five star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we appreciate it when you do that, but if you are doing this on a platform that is not Apple Podcasts, we can't see it. And the thing that we like to do when we see a review is give you a shout out on this show. So if you leave a review, Apple Podcasts, we'll see it, we'll shout you out. Anywhere else, you got to email us or tweet at us or something. Um, and then we can give you a shout out here. So thank you to everyone who does that. And then one last thing is that you can get on our Discord and, you know, have some fun conversations with us about stuff that's going on uh, in Nintendo. Um, people are talking about games they're playing, uh, new games, old games. It's kind of everything, and it's super friendly and approachable and fun. Um, everyone is super nice in there. All right, Pete, are you ready 
to get into it and talk about what we've been playing this week. I am. So I think we have both been playing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle Shredder's Revenge. Yep. Uh, where have you been playing it? Have you been playing it on Switch or on uh, another platform? I've been playing it on PlayStation, which mm-hmm. I realized was a bad move because now I, I don't believe it's cross-play, and so we can't play it together. Ooh, yeah, that is a mistake. Here's mm-hmm. the thing. I'm enjoying it enough that I may end up buying it everywhere. <laughs> okay, very good. Um, just just for, uh, for, for multiplayer purposes. Um, I, I was playing this, uh, in Appleton in the, uh, Airbnb that I had rented with, uh, with my friends that I was attending the reunion with. Um, and we were truly living the dream of like the Nintendo switch commercial, right? Where, um, three of us had the game on our switches. Uh, and so, but there were four of us. Um, and so Andrew and I were playing on one switch in tabletop mode. He had oh, one joy con. I had one joy con. And then Ethan had his in uh, handheld mode. Taylor had his in handheld mode. Um, and we were playing four players simultaneous, all four turtles at once. It was so fun. What did you think of the um, the newly recorded and animated theme song? I'm way into it. I yeah, think it's too. so good. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why I didn't expect it, but as soon as I booted it up and saw that, I thought, oh, this is this is perfect. It, it's such a, a nostalgic hit uh, just all the way through. Um, one, one thing, um, when I got to the ground chuck and dirt bag, uh, mm-hmm. uh, fight. I told like those guys were completely erased from my memory until I saw them the other night, and then I was like, "Oh my god, I totally had those action <laughs> figures!" Uh, so that that was really great. And then oh, um, I, I, re- I remember you having gr- ground chuck. Did you also have dirt bag? I think so. I don't. I don't remember. I I like because. Every boss I got to, I had that like immediate like physical tactile memory, mm-hmm. uh, not not of like seeing a character, but of like holding the action figure. <laughs> right, and that's how it was for both of them for me. Okay, all right, all right. So, so one, maybe one he was a, probably did. a later edition or something. Yeah. Uh, but then also a little bit later, there's the um, like the the foot soldier on the spider robot thing with the boxing <laughs> yeah, gloves for yeah. feet, and I totally had that too. Yeah, it was too. It's the, every every now and then, um, the, the the game will throw something at you. It's 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 so nice that it is focused on the, um, sort of like continuity or world of the um the original animated series, um, because like there are characters that it uses that are like a kind of exclusive to there, mm-hmm. um, that don't appear in like uh the sort of modern comics or the original comics or in like any of the movies, um. They probably I feel like the the Archie run on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles used everything. Mm-hmm. Um so they you know, like Ground Chuck and Dirtbag probably ap- appear in that, but like nowhere else. Um but uh, there was one character that I encountered that I didn't remember at all, and it was Tempestra. Have you have you oh, battled Tempestra? I just did um, you know, maybe like an hour ago and oh, yeah. had no clue who she was. I, I had no clue who she was, but the fact that she, like, summons holographic versions of uh, Toka and Rezar mm-hmm. from uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, The Secret of the Ooze, mm-hmm. um, I just, uh, I don't know, I, I, I love seeing those two characters. I think they're awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, let's see. So, so you just got through, was that like level seven or eight or something like that? Yeah. I played a few after that. So the beach is, uh, what I played last with Leatherhead at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Leatherhead, uh, as far as bosses in that game go, kind of a chump. I feel like he goes down I easy. Thought so too. I've been struggling with some of the bosses because that, that's something I was going to mention is that with these brawling games, I don't ever feel like I'm like 
playing them well or even know how to play them well i'm just kind of mashing and just getting hit hit every once in a while but i thought he i I had the exact same thought that he was particularly easy um that it's uh, so do do you feel like that is also your experience with uh shredder's revenge is that it it also feels like you're mostly like mashing buttons and stuff or it does and and that might be a failing on my part um maybe there is depth (laughs) to it i don't think we need to go as deep as something (laughs) is a failing on your part (laughs) But, but you know that that might be just me not getting the game like the gameplay um, yeah or maybe not approaching it the right way so you know the 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 first couple levels that I played of this I was playing uh, two player with uh, my friend Ethan and Ethan is a very like in in video games it, it, one of the first things that he's like that his mind checks for is like is there a combo system a, can I cancel out of you know what like he's he's got a very oh, wow. like fighting game approach mm-hmm. to every video game um and so uh discovering the game mechanics with him meant that I spend a lot of time like dodging and um like doing uh the moves to like knock uh, the enemies up into the air and then like juggle them mm-hmm. um and so like i don't know i i feel like i'm playing uh this game way more strategically than i would usually play a beat em up um and i don't know if uh this game is uniquely like if it i don't know if it's a function of uh the circumstance i was playing it in or a function of the game itself that like the systems are actually uh, there okay. in a way that they aren't normally um but I sort of love this game. Like I, I think it's the, I think it's the perfect like arcade brawler experience. Yeah, I, um, I, I really like it too. And I like, um, I was just gonna mention, just the one of the the key things about a brawling game is just for it to be a visual spectacle. Yes. And I just the, all the details in the backgrounds and and even like the the things that the foot soldiers are doing before you engage them in combat. Like, yes. w- like some of them are playing Game Boys and mm-hmm. some of them are carrying shopping bags through the mall or like some of them are carnival barkers. It's just, it's so weird because they're like, they're like, in <laughs> yeah, their, they're just like living their lives right, in those uniforms though. Well, and also not just in those uniforms, but they're, it's the uh, animated series version. So they're robots. Oh, right. Like, <laughs> It's and like you know, there's there there's a version of them that's like eating a popsicle, which is so yep. funny. Yeah, I like, that. <laughs> they don't have a mouth, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, the, the the game is is full of humor, and I I I I'm just I'm just so happy with it. Have you gotten a chance to do any uh, like online or, or multiplayer with it yet? Not yet. I've just been playing it solo so far. I did hop into one level, you know, I, I spent a lot of time, uh, me and Ethan, uh, and then more with like three to four of us, you know, all, all, all together. Um, and I did hop into one like, uh, you know, blind group of just like whoever was online mm-hmm. to do a, a six players at the same time, Oh, fun. Uh, which is chaos. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, but it rules. Uh, and I, I, I did, I did make it to the, to the end of the game, uh, th- this weekend. So I unlocked Casey Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to beat the game so that you can uh, play as Casey Jones, um, and uh, I just want to keep like jumping back into it at like harder difficulty levels, um, and like in the arcade mode. Uh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is a game that I'm going to get wholly under my. F- is let me ask you this: on PlayStation, is there a platinum trophy? Ah, good question. You know, I didn't look, okay. but it seems like there are a lot of trophies. Yeah, so. well, yeah, there are a lot of uh, achievements that they have built into like all the versions. Mm-hmm. So like, I- I'm popping achievements on uh, on Switch. Even it's just you know it- they don't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Not that trophies mean anything either, but 
but we can I pretend like it's, it's it, I like them too. Um, that uh, if there's a platinum trophy, uh, then I think I'm gonna go for it on oh, nice. on, on PlayStation because just just I I I just like it uh, that much, um, and the design of uh, all the characters and bosses. Uh, it's all—it's all just phenomenal. Like I—I I, I couldn't be happier with it. What? Uh, sorry, I promise I won't talk about this thing all episode. <laughs> <laughs> we will talk about other stuff. But um, I—I I was really enamored with the uh, frequency with which the characters' move sets reference uh, moves that they—that the characters do in other video games. Um, mm. That like you can see remnants of their um, special abilities from. Uh, TMNT three, the Manhattan projects, mm-hmm. um, uh, in this game, maybe, maybe it's singular Manhattan project. It's probably singular. Um, but you can see those moves. You can see their moves from, uh, both the Genesis and, uh, super NES, uh, TMNT tournament fighters games that like oh. the turtles have some of those moves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just like, it's, it's fun for me to remember that in addition to being cartoon characters and, uh, comic book characters and movie characters that the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have such a rich history of being video game characters mm-hmm. that like there can be a game like this that is explicitly referencing all of their video game appearances. I don't know. I just love it so much. <laughs> um, uh, other than that, I, I played a, a fair amount of Dragon Quest Builders 2 this weekend. Um, and... Pete, I just have one story uh, about this that I want to share with you. Okay. Um, so uh, I, I recently built for my villagers a, a bathroom. Um, mm-hmm. they, they asked for a bathroom, and I, I, I built it for them, just a small room with a pot and a towel rack in it. <laughs> um, and, uh, and there's this giant worm thing that lives in my village, uh, and he you know, will prepare the, the ground for... Um, so he'll make the the soil fertile, um, and at one point he was like, "Can you make for me some worm food?" Uh, and I was like, "Yeah, sure, I can make you some worm food." And he's like, "Here's the recipe. The recipe is one uh, grass seed and two night soil." And I was like, "Night soil? What's night soil?" And anticipating my question, the worm said, uh, "If you go into that little room you just built and go into that <laughs> pot." You should be able to find some night soil. <laughs> so this worm tricked me into taking poop out of the toilet that I built for my villagers and feeding it to him. Excellent. Yeah. So we were saying night soil all weekend. <laughs> uh, you've been playing something cool. I have. I'm a few years late to this, but I've been playing Demon's Tilt, which is a um, an homage to the old TurboGrafx-16 pinball video games Ooh. and uh it's all occult themed even there even has a tagline that says occult pinball action and um I, I really don't know anything about pinball in general it's sort of like a black box I, I i know enough to know it's way more complicated than i thought it was as a kid but yeah. i've i've learned this table and um i yeah, I'm getting good at it, and I have the 37th high score globally, and I'm not sure if that's just PlayStation players or if that's uh, you know all platforms. But either yeah. way, I'm kind of proud of that. So no, that's uh, pretty, a lot of fun. I, 37's high. That's <laughs> what I thought too. It was uh, it was Saturday night because I was 52nd, and then I had uh, I had an amazing game because there are um, rituals that you need to complete. There's 18 of them, <laughs> yeah. and if you do, I mean, it's like you know, hit this ramp and then do this thing and and if yeah. you hit if you complete all 18 then you get wizard mode which is one of the ways you get a multi-ball 
and all kinds of bonuses. And I did wizard mode twice in that game. And so nice. Yeah. It was, is it, uh, is it, is it just a, a single table in, it's in, a, in the game? It's a single three tiered table. Okay. So yeah. it's, you know, it's like, it's got three pairs of paddles top to bottom. Um, and is it like trying to uh, like emulate a like real world? Cause you said it was referencing more like the turbo graphics um, like pinball games. So is it, does it feel like it has a, a real world physicality to it, or is it like leaning into the video gaminess of it? Well, I mean, the, the I guess the physics of the ball and whatnot feel mm-hmm. real ish, but th- it does all sorts of crazy things that yeah that you wouldn't on. really be able to do. Yeah, yeah, like you know, stuff teleporting around and actually monsters that show up in the middle that you have to battle cool. and, and all those kind of stuff. Yeah, so um, yeah, that that's very cool. It, do you know if it's available anywhere else or just on uh, PlayStation? It's on Switch. I know that I, I checked Ooh. that to, before I talked about it here. I um, see. <laughs> so o- obeying the rules of the show, I guess. Yes, 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 yes. Um, all right. Well, that's very cool. That's uh, what we've been playing this week. Let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. Today, Tuesday, June twenty first, Wreckfest comes to Switch. Yeah, I only know about this because my father-in-law, who is a rather casual gamer, but he likes motorsports a lot, mm. uh, really likes this game. It's like a demolition derby type game. Uh, so wait, are you like controlling monster trucks? Uh, I don't know about monster trucks, but like, you know, cars and smash it into other Here, cars yeah. and things like that. Here's a real problem that we've explored on the show before is that Mark and I don't know what a demolition derby is. <laughs> I am only kind of vaguely aware. I know you you get a car, you pay uh-huh. as, as little money for it as you want, and then you have to outfit it with certain safety things. And I think maybe they often go on like a figure eight type track, so there's a crossover in the middle. Mm. And, and the idea is to ram into the other cars and be the last one standing that's not disabled. How do people not die in this? I don't know. Uh, they probably do. I'm probably yeah. being intense. This is probably a bad <laughs> line of questioning. Um, all right. So Wreckfest is out on, on Tuesday. Also out on Tuesday is Fall Guys Ultimate Knockout is uh, finally on Switch. Um, did you play any Fall Guys when it was on uh, when it first came out on PlayStation? I just played like the tutorial. Mm. I didn't get... Um, I, I'm not a big multiplayer especially online multiplayer sort of guy. And so yeah. I was trying to force it. And then I kind of just concluded that, eh, this isn't for me. Yeah. And you know, it, it is just like, uh, if you're not into a multiplayer experience, like that's all this is right. It, mm-hmm. It's all um, just like wonky physics, ob- obstacle coursey kind of stuff. Um, I really liked it when it first came out. Um, Sarah and I spent like one weekend with it. Uh, and it was, it was uh it was fun to play but there was one like one game in the in the second round um called the whirly gig that uh sarah couldn't wrap her her brain around so when we were like ha- passing the controller back and forth we'd get to you know she'd be playing and she would do fine in the first uh first match get to the the second step which was the whirly gig and it would just roll her like she just had uh. no no kind of control over it and so it became like a frustrating experience more than mm. anything else that's too bad um but it's a uh, it's uh, if it's going for a decent price, I would I would recommend people check it out. Um, on Wednesday, we have to shout out, of course, June twenty second, a game called Why Pizza comes out. <laughs> it seems like uh, an unnecessary question. 
Yeah, I I mean, why? Because you can feed a bunch of people for not that much money. It's got a lot of cheese on it. I, I don't. What, what do you mean? Why pizza? It doesn't make any sense. Should be why not pizza? Should be why not pizza? Uh, Thursday, June twenty third, Sonic Origins comes out on Switch and like everywhere. Um, uh, I I'm sort of a little bit excited about this just because I haven't had a, a a way to play. Um, Sonic Three on like anything in a long time. Oh, this uh, is the uh, the collection. Yeah, this is That's Sonic right. One, Sonic okay. Two, Sonic Three, Sonic and Knuckles, and Sonic CD. Okay. Um, and you know a lot of those games like uh, Sonic Two has been re released on like everything all the time. You know. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But three, and I think it's because it's tied up in the music rights for um, one of those or some of those tracks that are allegedly um, composed by Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um. But either they got around that, or the music is different, or right. who knows. Um, but yeah, it should be a, a cool little collection, even if the uh, sort of um, like payment and DLC structure is is kind of messed up. Um, so you know, just make sure going into that that you know what what you're getting. There's a whole chart you have to consult. Um, and then on uh, June 24th, Friday, um, a lot of games, a lot of interesting games coming out this week. Um, uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes comes out, Pocky and Rocky Reshrined, and the Capcom Fighting Collection uh, all come out. Um, Switch Shop is also doing a Capcom Fighting Bundle that includes the Capcom, fight- Capcom Fighting Collection, Street Fighter 30th Anniversary uh, uh, Collection. Oh, just those two, I guess. It's those two games. <laughs> Are you planning on picking up the uh, Fighting Collection? Yeah, absolutely. Because the, there are a lot of games in there that I've never played before. That's um, exactly what I was going to say, too. Mm-hmm. Especially the, the Darkstalkers games I've always been interested in and have never played. Yeah, the, so the Darkstalkers games I know I've played. Um, I had one of them, probably Darkstalkers 3 on um, Dreamcast. Mm. Um, and I liked it, but uh, th- there's something about... Uh, like that era of um, fighting game with uh, on disc based systems where like everything just happens a little too slowly for me, like the loading up between matches and stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, that like, it just uh, brings the whole experience to, to a, a crawl. That reminds me of uh, mortal Kombat trilogy on PlayStation one, where if you picked Shang, uh, Shang Tsung, you had to choose three characters for him to morph into. <laughs> Cause and they could load, load them all. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Oh, that that's amazing. Um, did uh, I, I played so much of the Nintendo sixty four version of Mortal Kombat trilogy? So much of it. Mm. Um, not a good place to play it, though. I don't think. <laughs> Maybe there was no good place to play it. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, and then coming to the uh, Nintendo Switch Online, Nintendo sixty four, Pokemon Snap is also coming out on uh, June twenty fourth. I can't imagine I'll put any time into that. Um, I feel like I got my uh, Pokemon Snap fix with new Pokemon Snap uh, at the beginning of last year. Holy cow, was that was that a year and a half ago? <laughs> Holy cow! <laughs> um, but uh, I, I I'm interested in these other ga- other two games too. Um, the Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes uh, and Pocky and Rocky Reshrined. Um, but can you talk me out of uh, Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes? Oh boy. Um, so let me let me tell you why I'm interested in it. Okay, because um, I mean you've played th- this before, right? Well, so I've played Fire Emblem Three Houses. Okay, um, I, I played the, the the mainline Fire Emblem game, which I loved a lot. Um, it's you know uh, among my my favorite Fire Emblem games. But this is a Warriors game, right? This is a, a oh, Musou. I see. Okay, okay. Yeah, based on 
the the story and using all the characters from Fire Emblem Three Houses. Well, so, you do you not really like those Muso games? That's okay, right. <laughs> so then, don't buy it. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got all these characters I love. I never played um, the the Zelda one, the the pseudo sequel to Breath of the Wild, and Breath of the yeah. Wild is my favorite game of all time. <laughs> And I was like, I, I just, I'm not gonna like that. So that's a strong argument. That is a strong <laughs> argument. Uh, and, and you know, Breath of the Wild, also one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, Age of Calamity. I think I played for like four or five hours, and mm-hmm. then, and then said, uh, no, I guess this isn't actually for me. Yeah, I, I bought it for my nephew for Christmas that year, and I don't think he really liked it that much either. <laughs> I mean, I, th- I think I think those games are, are an acquired taste. Mm-hmm. And one of these days, I'm going to acquire that taste. <laughs> um, all right, let's get out of the new releases. Which brings us to a regular segment on our show. It is time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show... Our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration of one performance, 433, Pete and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Um, Pete, you and I have uh, bonded over our shared love of the Bare Naked Ladies, so we are going to be ranking their first eight records? Yes. So everything up until Steve Page left the band, and not including live albums or... The weird stuff like the holiday album or the kids album although all three of those are great records <laughs> true 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 so but that uh, get, that leaves mm-hmm. us with gordon maybe you should drive born on a pirate ship stunt maroon everything to everyone and then we're considering bare naked ladies are me and bare naked ladies are men as two separate albums okay okay so um do you uh, this is difficult because I feel I, like for for me there's like an, an obvious like top half and an obvious bottom half. That's exactly where I was gonna go with that. <laughs> and let's see if they're the same. So I think Ooh, this is fun. <laughs> I think okay, so my yeah. top half yeah. are stunt, stunt, maroon, uh-huh, everything to everyone, yes, and bare naked ladies are me. Yes, which is the the first part of that like two record set of our me and our correct because our uh, men is nowhere near as good as our me nowhere near nowhere near as good, um yeah so I absolutely one hundred percent agree like that's excellent. That, that's excellent. that's the dividing um although catch me on catch me on the right day and Gordon goes above uh bare, bare, bare naked ladies are me okay okay um I have a very clear least favorite as well. And I think we uh, talked about this a couple months ago when I was listening to them all. Uh, and that's it's easily Born on a Pirate Ship. See, now, what 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 are, what are like the good songs on Born on a Pirate Ship? I can't think of them off the top of my head. Uh, when I Fall mm-hmm. is on there. Um, uh, presumably other things. <laughs> I, can, right, I can click on it. Um, uh, which 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 the one? The old apartment has... is on there. Yeah, that's good. Uh, break your heart is on there. Okay, so break your heart—that's a tough one for me to ignore. Uh, yeah, I, so the part of the reason that I don't like the first three albums so much—well, mm-hmm. part of it is that I don't think they're recorded very well. They don't sound yeah, very good. Yes. And then after the first three albums, they put out Rock Spectacle, the live album, and basically. Every song on there 
sounds better, better recording yeah. mm-hmm. than what's on those first three albums. So like, yeah, it, was it is Break Your Heart was the one you were saying? Yeah, yeah, and you're right. The live version of Break it's Your Heart is way, way better. better. So it's like every better. time I'm listening to uh-huh. Born on a Pirate Ship, I'm thinking, oh, I love this song, but this is the inferior recording of it. Right. The Is there a live recording of uh, When I Fall? Yeah, that's on there too. I see. I think the studio version is better though. Oh, weird. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I do agree with you that um, Pirate Ship and uh, Maybe You Should Drive um, both have very similar sounds to them. Uh, like, I, it's either like the, the way the drums are recorded, it's a combination of things. I think it's the way the drums are recorded and the um, like pedal or whatever, the, the quality of the bass, uh, the sound of the bass is so strange mm-hmm. and like. I don't know if it's like gated or what, or if there's like some fuzz. There's something on there that bugs me that I, okay. I just can't deal with. Hmm. Um, but okay, so we we don't we don't, we have precious little time here. Um, <laughs> I don't think we're gonna make it. Uh, we're no, we're gonna be fine. Um, so uh, where so you think bottom is uh, pirate ship? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. I, I I can live with that, and then maybe you should drive above that. Yeah, although on some days I like maybe you should drive a little more than Gordon, and then on other days I don't. Mm, um, well, so here, I, I think I'll defer I mean, to I'm you gonna, there. I'm going to campaign for Gordon to be higher. <laughs> to be higher than our men, even. Yeah, I think so. For for me, okay. I think it's number five. Oh boy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the extremes, right? Those are the the most recent and uh, the yeah, uh, that, oldest. Yeah. Yep. Um. We can compromise here. We can say uh, pirate ship, then uh, maybe you should drive, then Gordon, then army, then our men. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. So we got uh, the so bottom. Now, we got the bottom. Now we just need to lock in the 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 top. What is? <sighs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we're running out of time. What is? What do you think your number one is? It might be everything to everyone. It's everything. Uh, yes. Oh, yes. for you too. <laughs> yes. Oh, good. Okay. I thought that uh, was going to be controversial. I mean, maybe it is, but it's not to me. Um, it, <laughs> the, uh, I will never get over it, like the, uh, um, the t- like first time I understood and like wrapped my head around the war on drugs. Yeah, that song's um, amazing. That song's incredible, uh, and that's applause. So we're done. We don't know what numbers <laughs> two through two through four are. We'll never know. We'll never know. Uh, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Pete, let's get into the news. I keep just instinctively wanting to call you Mark, and I know oh, you're that's, not. That's fine. You haven't done it yet. Uh, no, but I, I don't know if you've noticed every time I say your name, I'm like, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> We've got a new Direct incoming, a new Nintendo Direct, sort of. Uh, yesterday, Nintendo announced that they will be releasing a Xenoblade Chronicles 3 Direct on Wednesday, June 27th or 22nd at 7 a.m. Pacific Time presentation will include 20 minutes of information about the game um we know xenoblade comes out on uh, july 29th moved up from its earlier release date of september um exciting sort of interesting i'll be paying attention to it xenoblade chronicles not totally a, a kind of game that um i'm interested in though i end up uh, trying out all of them um but the for me the real question is what does this mean for the existence of another direct I'd say it month. lowers the likelihood. Lowers the likelihood. Mm-hmm. Does it mean it's definitely not going to happen, but it seems less likely to happen? Uh, my take on this, look, I've been through a, a whirlwind of, uh, of emotions. You know I've been holding out hope for a, a, a direct um, this month. Um, 
My take on it is this doesn't affect that at all. Okay. Unrelated. Chances have not moved. Statistically, just as likely uh, to, to happen next week as it was before. Is what I'm thinking. All right. Um, we will see. We will, in fact, see. Continuing Reggie fils nonstop book publicity tour, the former Nintendo of America president gave an interview to CNET where they talked about a bunch of different aspects of his career and, in particular, his time with Nintendo. Um, I've pulled some highlights here. Um, first is that they thought Labo was going to have a bigger cultural impact than it ended up having. Uh, Reggie said, quote, not only from a pure consumer gamer perspective, I saw huge potential with Labo in the classroom uh, and as a STEM education type of product. Globally, it did well, but certainly not up to the expectations that the company had, unquote. Um, did you ever mess around with Labo? I did not. Well, I think I think I, you showed me the piano uh, when yeah, I was at your right. place that's a couple right. years ago. Um, I, I guess I believe they thought it would do better than it did. But I'm also not surprised it didn't do as well as they thought it would. Yeah, if that makes well, sense. yeah. Well, especially as you're like, if you're positioning it as a sort of like STEM, like an in, in the classroom sort of like learning tool. Um, like, how do you how do you partition your school to buy like thirty Nintendo Switches? You know, right. like right. <laughs> in the interest of like teaching some like uh, programming or engineering. Like, no, you're buying a video game system. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just not the. Uh, if it worked with um, phones and stuff that people already had, like maybe then, but yeah. you know they, they they would never do that. Um, uh, next, a little bit here, uh, the NES and Super NES Classic editions uh, were a solution to the problem of the Wii U's low sales in the pre-Switch era. Um, Reggie doesn't see Nintendo returning to that uh, strategy at any time, um, and that the lessons that they learned from doing that um, is really more about how to bring the classic library. Uh, onto existing hardware instead of um, like new novel hardware. Uh, Reggie said, quote, if I were back at Nintendo for a day, I would be much more focused on how does the company leverage all of its great content, deliver it to the consumer through that Nintendo online experience, which they are doing. They're putting out some Nintendo 64 content. They're working with other platform holders to bring all of that legacy content. But that's where the opportunity is. Nintendo still has more Nintendo, Nintendo 64 content to leverage. They've got GameCube content to leverage. They've got Wii we content. I see the future of digitally delivered content to you, the consumer, as just the burgeoning opportunity that I would want to take advantage of. Uh, sort of a non-Nintendo-y answer from Reggie on mm-hmm. the the future of uh, legacy content. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's a little disappointing. I would like a Game Boy Classic or like a Game Boy Advance <laughs> yeah, Classic for totally. sure. But I think I think the right answer is to put you know, the game's out digitally, but let's, let's go, let's do it. This like slow trickle thing. Like, yeah. Can we get everything we ever had on virtual console? Can we get Game Boy games, GameCube games, Wii games? Like he said, uh, virtual boy games, of course. Yeah. Um, the, <laughs> the, for me, like the, the, the real answer or the, the, the question here for me is why not both? Like, mm. You know, it's I I have both the Super NES and the uh, NES Classic Editions sitting in my entertainment center. I have those libraries on my Switch, and I'm not mad about it. Like, it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just I just like the physicality of these things. Mm-hmm. And you know, um, 
it, it was uh, that this trip was different. But usually when I travel, I just throw my 3DS in my backpack um, because it's small, because it feels more portable to me. If I had a Game Boy Classic Edition yeah. that just had like a bunch of Game Boy games on it, mm-hmm. I would bring that thing with me everywhere. It'd be yeah. so small. It'd fit in my pocket. Yep. Why not both? Uh, while, you're, is... while you're wearing your foot soldier uniform, you could be playing it in a mall. <laughs> that's right. That's before right. the and turtles I, come back. The turtle, turtles come in and I rip my, uh, uh, my tie off so I can fight them. <laughs> uh, another little piece here. Um, when asked about the next piece of hardware for Nintendo, Reggie echoed what you hear from a, a lot of analysts, a lot of video game analysts. He's, uh, Nintendo says they're only halfway through the life cycle. Chip shortages and supply chain issues constrain any new hardware release, um, and Nintendo is fond of mid-generation hardware revisions. Sort of strange here, actually, how much he sounds like anyone with a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, He's not sure what what they're going to do next, but Reggie uh, knows that Nintendo sees both the challenge and the opportunity of following up on the Switch. Uh, Quote, For Nintendo to go successfully from Switch to whatever comes next is going to be a significant challenge, and they've already said that they're thinking deeply about it. Which to me means that uh, he's got no idea. (laughs) Yeah, basically, that's my read as well. But, uh, you know, interesting that he uses the word challenge just because it's going to be hard to, to, you know, come after the success of the Switch. Yeah, totally. I mean, like especially after like the huge install base where it's just like what whatever you do next whatever games you start making next if you start releasing them to that new platform it, they're just going to sell like a, a you know at max like 1% as many uh copies cuz you don't have that many systems out in the wild like mm-hmm. it's um it's just brutal uh i it it'll it'll be interesting to see what happens and when it happens um but i, I feel like everything they do for a while has got to be switch compatible yeah um, and then I just like these two paragraphs about about the DS. Um, Reggie says, quote, When I first saw the Nintendo DS, we showcased an early Mar- Mario experience. We showcased a very early experience for Nintendogs. I was able to imagine what games could be. I was able to imagine what this product could do. DS was the first major consumer electronics device to use a touchscreen. Before that, it was really uh, personal digital assistance that ha- it was really only digital personal assistance that had a touchscreen. <clears throat> and the ability to do to do precise movements to use for targeting that really opened up one's mind to what it could do. But at that first E3 meeting meeting with journalists like yourself, there was a fair amount of questioning and pushback and wondering what this product could be, especially when the Sony PSP was at the same E3. And the PSP was a was very much a linear progression of technology, a beautiful device, almost too beautiful. It would leave smudges on that big old screen it had. But the <laughs> Nintendo DS was doing something completely different. Um, and I just like this for me, like encapsulates the sort of like, you know, the Nintendo difference uh, and like Reggie seeing that and kind of acknowledging that like what they, what they do best is something special. You know, it's not like the, they're doing the, the best version of a thing. They're doing their own version of a thing. Mm -hmm. It was interesting that the most interesting thing about that to me was that he mentioned targeting with the, the stylus. And I, yeah, it's a they, bad application. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I mean, I wish they would have explored maybe more like first-person shooter type things because mm-hmm. to me, like tapping where you want to shoot 
is more intuitive than like aiming with a joystick. Yeah. Um, and like I had a, I had a game on DS called I think it was called Touch the Dead, which is a an, <laughs> <laughs> but it was basically it was basically a House of the Dead knockoff. So it was like a light gun game, but you were tapping the screen with the stylus and I thought that was like a good application for it. I liked that. And so I would have liked to have seen more of that. That's a great, yes. And there should have been more like light games, light gun games ported to, uh, to, to DS that, that is actually a a perfect application. I I think where, um, for me, where it, it fell a little short was in games like, um, moon or, um, uh, Metroid Prime Hunters, mm-hmm. um, and then you know later uh, like Kid Icarus Uprising, where and you know not not to harp on Kid Icarus Uprising uh, control scheme, which is too complicated, and you should be able to change it because um, that game is 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 great. But the 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 fact of like using the stylus to control where you're aiming, it's just hard to hold the thing. You know? Yeah, and I remember. I mean, I I only played the the demo of Metroid Prime Hunters, but yeah. I remember it was kind of awkward because you had to swipe to look you know to turn and look and then you yes. tap to shoot and sometimes you know yeah, you're trying to do one, one. the other yeah. yeah yeah um so uh yeah that that, that is and, and it's especially when um like they've in in recent years not recent years that they've been doing it for a decade um but using the sort of like gyro control to sort of like fine-tune the aiming and things like in you know splatoon does it i guess even breath yeah. of the wild yeah um uh, I think that's a really elegant solution and something that I miss when I'm playing games that don't use it. Yeah, you know, I I can see how that would work really well, I but I just haven't been able to wrap my head around it. I guess I haven't played oh. enough Splatoon yeah. um, that like it it I, I did I think I need to get past like a certain level of awkwardness, you know, get a certain number of hours in doing it before it actually clicks, and I just haven't gotten there. Uh. Yeah, I mean that that's probably right. It's why I'm no good at first person shooters in general is that I'm like, <laughs> I play them for a little bit and I'm like I'm tired and dizzy and I don't like this anymore. Yeah. Uh okay, so we got the May 2022 NPD report. Um uh, as always it's full of a, a a bunch of different numbers, but let's look at just a few of them. Um year to date Switch sales, Switch hardware sales are, are above um Xbox and PlayStation both in terms of uh units sold and dollars. Um, so after like a, a little bit of trading off the lead with, um, PlayStation, Nintendo's back on top there. Um, the 10 best selling games of the month, uh, include a bunch of switch games. Um, a Nintendo switch sports is at number three. Kirby and the forgotten land is at number six. Mario Kart eight deluxe Mario Kart eight deluxe is number it's eight. Amazing. <laughs> it just it's, keeps that's going. Unbelievable. <laughs> um, Pokemon legends Arceus, uh, is number 10. And then also, uh, Lego star Wars, the Skywalker saga and MLB, the show 22, um, are number two and number five, respectively, and they both a- appear on Switch. So that's seven of the uh, top ten selling games uh, of May are uh, playable on Switch, and half of all of the top ten games are Switch exclusives. Uh, and then uh, uh, May 2022 year to date uh, is a similar list of games, um, but with a couple different like points of data here. Uh, Pokemon Legends Arceus is coming in number three for the year, which is uh, awesome. I mean, it's uh, a Pokemon game, so you know, I guess what do we want? Um, and uh, Nintendo Switch Sports is is much lower, um, coming in as a, at a measly number thirteen, um, which is still, of course, very respectable. Yeah. Uh, the game has been out for less than a week, uh, so we may as well start speculating about DLC coming to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge. Love it. 
<laughs> Shredder's revenge narrative designer Yannick Beltzel uh, was on an episode of the Xbox, Xbox Expansion Pass show, uh, and he talked about how difficult it would have been to add alternate costumes uh, to the detailed sprites uh, of, of the characters. Yeah, it totally um, makes sense. It totally makes sense, uh, and is like the kind of thing that you would be like a normal add-on for a, a game that is, you know, rendered. Like, yeah, rendered and uh, polygonal and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, the, the fact that it's all like digital and or not digital, but pixelated and, and drawn, mm-hmm. um, it would be just like designing all new characters. It would take yeah, forever. You have to do every frame of animation. Every frame, yes. Yep. And there's so many frames. Right. Uh, he said that it would be more realistic to add a new character after launch. Now, which I would uh, like that better anyway. Me too. Uh, do you have a? Do you have any uh, candidates for new characters you'd like to see as playable in there? I don't. I was trying to. I was trying to come up with something, and you're more knowledgeable about the turtles than I am. So I, I, I do know a little bit about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's true. <laughs> um, I mean, so for for me, there's uh, there are two. I'm going to say three big characters that I would like to see. Okay. Uh, one is uh, Jenica, the new female Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from the from the comics. Oh, I don't think I got that far. In, um, the, uh, in the run she shows up as a turtle she shows up as a human in issue like 54 or something like that mm. um and then mutates in issue 97 i think okay <laughs> so so she's around for a long time before uh she goes turtle um but she's great she uh uses um uh bow and arrow and uh like claws like wolverine style claws oh um so she would be a a, a cool fighter that way um, Alopex, who is a uh, oh, like an yeah. Arctic fox, yeah. yeah, she rules. Um, and then, of course, I would love to see a little crossover with um, Usagi Yojimbo and get that rabbit samurai in there. Um, you know Usagi Yojimbo? I do not. So it's a it's a series by uh, writer and artist um, Stan Sakai, um, and it's all like historical, like Japanese um, samurai stories. Uh, but the everyone is uh, animals. They're all animals, oh. um, and uh, the main character is a rabbit um, who is a wandering ronin, and it like retells all these like classic Japanese samurai stories uh, with this rabbit character. Nice. And he's he's crossed over with uh, Ninja Turtles a, a, a couple times. Okay. Okay. Um, but sorry. So look, we were speculating wildly here. <laughs> um, but uh, Dot Emu uh, producer or, and, and CEO. Um, Cyril Inbert, his names are tough, um, did a little bit of damage control on Twitter because they're not prepared to announce anything. Um, IGN tweeted the story uh, and uh, he quote tweeted it, said, "Um, some clarification here, there won't be alternative costumes at launch and we don't have DLC plans so far, but we never say never. And then it's like a a smiling winky emoji. Um, It will it will depend on many factors like the game's reception and the ideas slash feedback that the awesome community will send us. Uh, so I don't know. Does that mean it's on us to like bug them about putting new characters in? <laughs> I know how much uh, developers love that. They love that. Yeah. Look, I'm, I'm just going to say it here quietly and politely. I'd like to see Usagi Ojimbo in the game. <laughs> Uh, as part of Final Fantasy VII's 25th anniversary, Square Enix held a stream showcasing a handful of new announcements for the series. And specifically here, not for the series Final Fantasy, but for the series Final Fantasy VII. The game is now <laughs> <laughs> a series. Um, and this includes a game that's actually coming to Switch. Um, hey. Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII is coming to all modern and last-gen uh, platforms as Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. 
Pete, does this, <laughs> does this mean anything to you? Does Final Fantasy VII do anything for you? Uh, I The only Final Fantasy game I've ever played... Oh, wait, no, there are two. Final Fantasy. Yeah. And Final Fantasy NES. Tactics. Oh, yes. Okay, great, great, great. Um, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake uh, rules. Um, I, I, I loved it so much when I finally played through it on uh, PlayStation 5. Um, my first like uh, my first swing at it, I wasn't really digging it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was like uh, a little cheesy, and that the presentation was like uh, sort of bad sometimes. Uh, and that didn't change, but I just learned <laughs> I just learned to love the cheesiness. Okay, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It's like watching the prequels where you're like, okay, this is fine. <laughs> I can engage with this. Um, but so uh, a, a remake of Final Fa- of Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII. Um, it uh, the original game came out on PSP, which has now been name checked twice in this episode. Uh, in 2007 in Japan, 2008 in North America. Um, the new version has HD graphics and reworked uh, character models. There's a new combat system, remapped controls to bring it more in line with Final Fantasy VII remake. New music arrangements, full voice acting, bunch of other little uh, gameplay tweaks and quality of life improvements. And it comes out this winter. Um, so they're not calling it Final F- Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Remake, but like they're kind of going back to like nuts and bolts with this thing to like make it a modern experience, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. It's a game that I've I've never played before, despite being a, a huge fan of the uh, original Final Fantasy VII and and the new one. I guess uh, I guess because I've never owned a PSP. Yeah, there you go. Did you own a PSP? I did. That's the one PlayStation hardware I did not own. Mm. And I know some of it, some of those games were backwards compatible with the Vita, but right. uh, but yeah, I, don't, I have no idea if that one is. Hmm. Uh, all right. Uh, details about the Super NES Kid Kirby game about a Super NES Kid Kirby game uh, emerged last week from the Kid Kirby Archives Twitter account. This is sort of a weird uh, story, and I actually don't know how to verify if any of this is uh, legit um, because uh, the only sourcing on it really seems to be this Twitter account that is uh, Kid Kirby Archives. Um, but I saw a lot of other outlets picking it up, so I thought uh, maybe worth talking about. Um, DMA Designs, which would later uh, go on to become Rockstar North, um, where uh, they were developing this game. It's got kind of a pre-rendered Donkey Kong Country like look to it, maybe even a little bit more like toyetic. Mm-hmm. Um, the Twitter thread included a, a render of Prince DDD, so like the young King DDD. Yeah, uh, which yeah, is weird but cute. It's weird but cute. It's weird to see him not huge, like not fat, right? Right. <laughs> to see right, this like right. little skinny baby character. Um, then there are also uh, uh, sketches from um, 1995, sort of like early sketches, uh, and manual pages, and a PDF breaking down the plot. But so this is also where I start to be like, what are we looking at here? Like, what 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 is the source of this? Um, why would there be manual pages for a game that was so early in development? That, yeah, that's like, really strange. Isn't it really strange? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... I don't know. Maybe this was real. Maybe it wasn't. 1995 is a pretty late Super NES game, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, but, right. Because 64 was in 96, right? Yeah. And uh, yes, that's right. Um, and uh, I mean, this would have been the same year, just as they're developing it, that uh, like Donkey Kong Country 2 came out. Mm-hmm. So just like, you know, using games with similar art styles as sort of uh, reference points. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, just one of those like nice little Nintendo mysteries that... Uh, we didn't even know about, and now uh, we have a little bit of information about uh, if it, if it's real. Might not be real. 
<laughs> I'm sorry if I'm reporting uh, news that's not real. Uh, and then, hey, finally, did you know that LegoCon was this weekend? I did, because I read <laughs> the show notes before we started recording. Mm, smart. Um, would you ever go to a LegoCon? I think that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I bet they've got the best, like, swag bags. Oh, yeah. No Legos in them, though. Oh. Just do well, LegoCon, <laughs> LegoCon was this weekend uh, when they announced uh, eight new Lego Super Mario uh, figures um, that were revealed. They are as follows. Uh, Nabbit, a purple toad, Hammerbro, uh, Waddlewing, Toady, Baby Yoshi, Red Yoshi, and Blue Shy Guy. Uh, what is a Waddlewing? Waddlewing uh, is like a little, it, he's got like a little beak and he's got a propeller on his head. Okay. So much of this stuff is based on the uh, new Super Mario Brothers characters. Uh, and yeah, yes. <laughs> that's right. Well, I've, uh, I've only played... Oh, I didn't mean it like that. I, I've only played new Super Mario Brothers Wii. But I think... I think Only the second one. That's interesting. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's weird that like... This is what they're basing those designs on. I, I don't. I don't have anything against those games. I think the games are actually all of them are are pretty good, um, and some of them are great. But I don't think any of them ha- are like compellingly designed graphically speaking. Right. Um, right. It's just weird to me to see that like Nabbit persists. Mm-hmm. Like, why are they trying to sell a Nabbit? Who loves Nabbit? <laughs> Anyway, these characters, <laughs> these characters all come out as part of Character Pack 5 on August 1st. They'll be $5.99 each, and uh, Lego Peach and Lego Peach's Castle are available on the same day. Have you uh, looked into any getting any of the um, Lego Super Mario I mean, kits? I don't have room for that kind of clutter in my life, but every, I do get Lego catalogs in the mail, and I mm. do look at them kind of longingly uh, when I... <laughs> When I do, I mean, they look really cool, but it's yeah. like, what would I actually do with them? What would you actually do with it? I love, and I, I think, I think you are still, I think that's a legit way to engage with a Lego product is just staring at them in a catalog longingly. <laughs> I got on their list somehow and uh, I get, you and know, you'll never get off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm perfectly okay with that. All right, Pete, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Pete, thank you so much for joining me for this. Thank you for um, having me. Yeah, it was a blast. Um, I mean, I've known you my entire life, uh, yep. and it's about time that you come on the podcast and yeah. talk about Nintendo with me. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Tell the people about Rum and Wings. I have a podcast. It's just a monthly podcast. Uh, it's called Rum and Wings, a tabletop podcast. It's ostensibly about board games, but we only spend about a third of the episode actually talking about the game we've been playing the last month. And then we just talk about whatever geeky, nerdy, pop culture kind of stuff we feel like. Yeah, and it's a it's a good time. I've gotten a lot of good uh, game uh, board game recommendations uh, from you guys. Not that I followed up on many of them, but uh, every now and then I'm like, oh yeah, I should I should actually play that. That yeah. sounds like fun. Well, thank you. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a fun show. And we have a Facebook page uh, if you want to check us out there too. Uh, all right. Again, thank you so much. Uh, please remember to uh, rate, review, and follow us on Apple Podcasts. If you like this uh, episode, please share it on Facebook or Twitter, wherever you can share stuff. Uh, we appreciate it. When you do that, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark, uh, who is not here at the moment, is MKA Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. Um, and uh, also, uh, 
I mentioned earlier, of course, the Xenoblade um, Direct uh, coming out on Wednesday. We will not be discussing that until the next news episode, uh, as Mark is still uh, going to be out of town. So just to set expectations for that. I should have mentioned that when we were talking <laughs> about the Direct. But if you made it this far into the episode, you get that extra little piece of information. Um, we also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Anthony DeLuca made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Ape Betty. You can get more of his music by going to apebetty.com. Or by listening right now. For my co-host, Pete Farr, this is Patrick Eller saying thank you for listening.